0: Hello everyone and welcome to Classic Gaming Today, where we take a look at the gaming experiences of the past through the eyes of the present. I am your host Tony, and today I would like to wish everybody a happy holiday season. It is the holidays, and with the holidays comes giving. And I thought, wouldn't it be a great idea to give away one of our Patreon exclusive episodes today? to commemorate the holidays, and to show my appreciation to all of you by giving away something that would otherwise cost money for free. So this is effectively my holiday gift to all of you for listening. Thank you so much for all of the support. I truly do appreciate it. Just a little bit of an explanation about this episode. This was our third Patreon episode that we released several months ago, and I experiment with a few different things with our Patreon episodes, and this one that I've decided to use is one where I kind of took an alternate reality look at Christmas time, 1989. So it's thematically relevant because it is the holiday season, but it is a very different kind of thing. It's almost like a show within a show. And I thought because it was themed around the holidays and Christmas time, this would be the perfect episode to choose. This is a very different episode than most of our Patreon episodes. Most of the Patreon episodes have similar kinds of content to what we do with the normal Classic Gaming Today podcast feed. There are some different things. We have some list kind of episodes. We have some ranking kind of episodes. We have some episodes that are talking about more modern kinds of things. We have episodes that truly do expand upon other episodes of the core podcast. There's a lot of different stuff out on Patreon. We have around 12 episodes or so out there right now with more to come every other week. If anyone is interested in listening to those episodes, you can get them at patreon.com slash classic gaming today. With that, I'm going to get off the stage. I once again want to wish you all a happy holiday season. I hope it's filled with friends and family and love and gifts and everything else good that comes along with it. Sit back and relax and hopefully enjoy Pixelated Power, December 1989. that music really pumps me up welcome back everyone to pixelated power your monthly dose of modern gaming news and reviews it is december 25th 1989 and i as always am your host tony and with this being our december 25th show that could only mean one thing it is the end of the year and that means this show is our year in review show and i am particularly excited for this one Because 1989 was a heck of a year. I mean, we got tons of great stuff. We got new consoles. We got new games. We have games in pop culture. We're actually going to talk about that in a little bit. We have tons of stuff that came out this year. 1989 was a banner year for all of us who love this whole video game thing that's rapidly becoming much more mainstream not quite there yet but we're getting there i think we will get there hopefully at some point in the 1990s we will eventually be part of a community that is considered mainstream and not just children's entertainment mark my words i bet you it's going to happen we're going to get into 1989 and what it looked like in just a couple minutes but first I do have to say happy holidays, everybody. I hope everybody had a terrific year. I hope everybody gets everything they want for the holidays. I know that I have my own wish list of things that I want to find under my tree today. So I figured it would be a good idea to go over my holiday wish list. These are the things that I hope I got for Christmas 1989. And I got to tell you, some of these things are really cool. So let's talk about my holiday list, the things that I want to get this year. I've gotta say, I am definitely in the holiday spirit right now. And you know, it is a little bit lonely recording this show literally on December 25th. But the good news is that being part of an amateur radio station, you can pretty much set your own time. So this is around, oh geez, 2:30 a.m. in the morning of December 25th. This is about as fresh as you're gonna get it for the end of the year 1989, and I'm excited. This has been a fun year. I mean, we've been doing the show now, what, a couple years now. And every time we get to the end of the year episode, it's always great to just look at the year in review and talk about all of the different things that we have to look forward to in the following year. But there were so many cool gadgets that came out in 1989, and I want them all. I literally want them all. We're going to start. These are the ones that are on my list. These are the things that if you got me a gift this year, and it's one of these things, I will pretty much... They look at you as my best friend forever. The first thing on the list, and this is probably the biggest thing that I want, is the Power Glove for the Nintendo Entertainment System. I've looked at the reviews. I've looked at the news. I've looked at all of the different previews. This is going to be the hottest new video game gadget I think ever. I am so excited about the prospect of actually being able to be part of the game. We've played with controllers and joysticks long enough. It is now time to become even more immersed. And that's what the Power Glove is going to let us do. I was reading a recent article and they basically talked about how the Power Glove, even though it's going to be designed for a couple of specific games, you could pretty much use it for almost any game. So immediately my mind goes to Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. How many of you guys have played Mike Tyson's Punch-Out? That is such... A great game it's also a really hard game and i'm hoping that with the power glove and my ability to punch the air and hopefully knock out some of the enemies that i'll be able to do even better than what i usually do maybe i'll even be able to take on iron mike himself i don't know but all i do know is that the power glove looks awesome and here's the way it works it comes so the glove itself literally fits over your hand and on your forearm and if anybody saw the movie the dungeon Master from Oh, geez, I guess it's four or five years ago at this point where a computer guy kind of gets sucked into this weird. I don't think it's a simulation necessarily, but kind of gets sucked into this alternate dimension and he has this computerized device on his wrist that can do all sorts of cool things. I love that movie, by the way. It's kind of like that. The power glove is just like that. It's like wearing a computer on your arm and there's all sorts of buttons on it and you can kind of control stuff. But the big thing is that based on the gestures that you move your hand around with it changes how the games play so if you're playing a driving game like rad racer you can literally steer the wheel and make your car go left or right if you're playing mike tyson's punch out throw that uppercut knock out glass joe with one hit you can do it with the power glove i'm going to go out on a limb and i'm going to say i think the power glove is the first in what will be a long line of immersive video game devices The Power Glove is going to knock it out of the park. I already know it just based on looking at it. It looks so cool. I can't wait to get that on my hand and actually use it. I bet you it is literally going to change the game. This is going to be the the product that is going to change gaming forever. And I bet you that by the mid-90s, those control sticks and all the different things that we're using today, A buttons, B buttons, are going to go away. We're all going to just be using actual motion to control our games. And once you get there, I mean, the sky's the limit. It just really will immerse us all. The Power Glove is the first step there. It looks like a quality device. I am sure that it's going to be amazing. And you know what? I'm even going to, I'm going to make a bet. And you guys can hold me to this. I bet you that by, say, two years, two years from now, there will be at least 100 games designed for the Power Glove exclusively. That's how hot of a product I think this is going to be. So please, if you haven't gotten me my holiday gift yet, get me the Power Glove. I can't wait to use it. I'm super hyped for this one. Another one that I'm looking forward to, another gadget, so to speak, is the Nintendo Game Boy. And this one, I will say, this rivals the Power Glove as far as my overall excitement level. If anybody hasn't heard of the Game Boy yet, it is a portable device and you can literally play Nintendo games on this portable device wherever the heck you are. You run it on batteries, just put a few batteries in it and you literally have a screen and the control pad and the buttons are all built into the device. I could play it on my way to work as long as I'm not driving my car, that would be bad. But if I'm a passenger, or if I'm on a bus or something, I can play it whenever I want. It is super small that can literally fit almost anywhere. I mean, it's, it's really portable. And the fact that you can have full Nintendo game experiences in the palm of your hands and effectively in your pockets is just mind blowing to me. I am so excited about this. There are a couple of other portable consoles out there. I know that Atari just released their Lynx system, which actually has color. The game boy doesn't have a color screen. It's a little disappointing from my standpoint, but you know, it's Nintendo. Give them a little bit of slack. I'm sure Nintendo's not going to screw this one up. Now, the one thing I do have to mention, though, the one piece that I'm not 100% convinced on is the fact that they chose Tetris, which is a Russian game with falling blocks. It's actually a really cool game. I played it on my NES, but they've included Tetris as the pack in game. And I got to wonder why. Sure, Tetris is a fun experience, it is addicting. And I get that it's probably something that's going to monopolize a lot of people's time. But Tetris doesn't scream Nintendo to me. And I don't think Tetris is going to be a system seller. I mean, sure, I I think the Game Boy sales have been relatively okay up to this point. But I can't see Tetris having staying power. It is a puzzle game. I just don't think it's going to remain as important or critical to the success of the Game Boy as what other potential pack-in games would be, like Super Mario Land. That would have been the one I would have chosen. I would have picked Super Mario Land because, first of all, I loved the original Super Mario Brothers. Super Mario 2? It's, I mean, it's a good game, but it doesn't really feel like Mario. It's almost like Super Mario 2, was based on a different game entirely and i have no proof for that but i mean there's just so many differences between what we had in super mario the original and super mario 2 super mario 2 you have character selection which is fine and that's actually kind of cool but then you also have like this weird land and rather than jumping on enemy heads to defeat them you jump on them and you have to pick them up and throw them around and you pick up i guess what are they turnips out of the ground it just feels weird i don't know it's 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 a good game. It doesn't feel like a Mario game. Super Mario Land looks like a Mario game. It looks like you're getting that original Super Mario experience, albeit in the palm of your hands, and I am super excited for that one. But like I said, why wouldn't Nintendo pack in Super Mario Land with their Game Boy? It just doesn't make any sense. I just don't see Tetris as having that long-lasting appeal. I bet you Tetris is going to be a fad Probably within the next couple years, Nintendo will realize that they made a complete mistake here and they will go back and they'll retrofit it and, and get a different pack-in game out there. Once again, not to say that Tetris is a bad game. I think it's a fine game. It's just not a system seller. I just don't see it having that long-term appeal as a more traditional kind of Nintendo mascot property. Now, another thing that's on my list is yet another console it is the turbo graphics 16 and i've got to tell you all this one surprised me i did not see this one coming apparently it's a console by nec which is traditionally an electronics manufacturer and it doesn't even use cartridges which is really weird i mean you have the nintendo entertainment system that uses cartridges you have atari that uses cartridges you have the sega master system that uses cartridges. You have the Nintendo Game Boy that uses cartridges. And then you have the TurboGrafx 16, and it kind of uses these credit card looking things. I don't know. I mean, it's kind of a weird technology. I, I wonder what it's going to be like. But regardless of what form the games come in, the actual system looks really good, and it looks like the games are going to have really high quality graphics. Now, here's the thing about the TurboGrafx 16, and it's right in the title. This system uses 16 bit graphics. And I wasn't really sure what that meant at first, because I mean, what the heck's a bit anyway, right? But what I did learn is that apparently the more bits, the better. So the higher the bits, In your console, the better the experience is going to be. So the TurboGrafx-16, 16 bits, that means it must be better than the consoles that came before it. So I am very interested in this one. The only thing is that there aren't all that many games out yet for the system. So that does concern me a little bit. If I got it as a gift, I would certainly like it and I do want it. But it's one of those systems where I just don't know that there are these recognizable games yet over there who knows maybe maybe NEC could actually strike a deal with Nintendo and get some Nintendo titles over on the TurboGrafx-16 wouldn't it be crazy if Nintendo ported a Mario title over to the TurboGrafx-16 with advanced graphics or maybe even like the Legend of Zelda and they upped the graphics on that to use the 16 bits of the TurboGrafx-16 that would be absolutely crazy to me although you know what Nintendo would never do that. I mean, just think about it. Nintendo now would never let one of their mascots appear on a different system. Certainly not a system that they could potentially be competing with and definitely not a system that could potentially erode some of the quality of their original titles. I just don't see Nintendo allowing anybody to create a subpar Mario or Legend of Zelda experience. It just can't happen. It will not happen. They just won't let it come to be. So I guess TurboGrafx-16 will probably not have a Nintendo mascot on there, but who knows? Maybe they'll come up with their own. I mean, every console pretty much has something, even if it's unofficial. I'm sure the TurboGrafx-16 will come up with something. I just don't know what that is yet. Regardless, I definitely want the system. It is one of those curiosities for me that I am super interested in. And then finally... My final item on my holiday wish list is the Sega Genesis, another console. Now, this one I am very curious about because Sega has had a foothold in the industry. Now, they don't really sell nearly as much from a home console perspective as what we've seen with Nintendo and even before Nintendo Atari, but they still are part of the industry. They have their Sega Master System. They had a console before that, the Sega SG-1000. So Sega has been around in the home console market. They're also really big in the arcades, by the way. I mean, I know most of the Sega arcade games out there. They are pretty darn awesome. So I'm really looking forward to the Sega Genesis. And the reason I'm looking forward to it is just like the TurboGrafx-16, it's a 16-bit system, which means it is going to be a very powerful system and because sega has so many arcade franchises and arcade titles they are going to bring a lot of those arcade titles to the sega genesis almost untouched now you all have played arcade games i've played arcade games where you play them in the arcade and they have a certain level of graphics they have a certain level of sound quality and then you get them home on your nes And they just don't sound the same. They don't look the same. NES just isn't powerful enough to play those arcade games the way they were intended or designed for the arcade hardware. I mean, think about it. The arcade hardware, these are big cabinets that are sitting all around a room and everybody can kind of play them and you see them and they're meant to be loud so they attract people over to them. You don't really have that with the NES. So the NES isn't powerful enough. The Genesis is from what i can tell the genesis is going to be able to recreate that arcade experience at home and in fact not only can it recreate that arcade experience at home it is coming with altered beast as a pack-in title which is crazy altered beast was awesome in the arcades i still have fond memories of playing that game i even played some of it earlier this year and we're going to be actually able to play that game in our homes, in our living rooms, without having nearly any degradation in quality. It's going to be pretty much full detail. I am so excited about that one. Another game that just came out, another arcade game that Sega had out there that they're now bringing to the Genesis, Golden Axe. Both of these are side-scrolling, kind of fight-em-up kinds of titles, I guess you could call them but they feel amazing. They look amazing. They're going to look amazing on the Genesis. I can't wait to play them. The Genesis is definitely one of those systems where it could, it could give Nintendo a run for its money. I mean, Nintendo has been pretty much the standard in home consoles and video games for a few years now, ever since really ever since the NES came out a few years ago, if the Genesis is going to have an uphill battle, I'm sure. Maybe they'll never get there. I don't know. It's tough. It's tough because Nintendo can pretty much do no wrong. And I mean, look at the stuff that Nintendo's releasing. The Game Boy, that's awesome. The Power Glove, that's literally going to change the face of the industry. So Sega, they're probably going to have a little bit of an uphill battle ahead of them. I'm rooting for them, though. I think that, that they could definitely do something there. And if they put the right attention there... I bet you the Genesis is going to be a big seller, and I definitely want one. Even though I have always been a Nintendo guy, and I've never owned any other Sega system, this might be the one that finally gets me to start looking at Sega a little bit more earnestly. You know, I could talk about this stuff forever, but unfortunately, I do have to take a break for a word from our sponsors. So just sit back, relax. We'll be back in just a couple minutes.
1: Push it, click it, press it, flick it, tune it in, turn it on. This is what you watch it on. Any way you work it, integrate your circuit of the city. Circuit City. Come to the place you welcome technology with a heart. Welcome to Circuit City, where services stay to the art. At Circuit City, we get higher customer satisfaction ratings than any other specialty home electronics and appliance chain. Welcome to Circuit City, where services is- stay it's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Whenever I need a fun pick-me-up, I pick up Radio Shack's Electronic Space Aliens game I got Cindy for Christmas. Or I pick up the Jet Fighter game I gave Jim. Wow, a direct hit. Or I pick up the pro-action football game I gave Jeremy. Touchdown!
0: That's why we picked up the Space Rescue game for you, Gramps.
1: A wide selection of electronic games from seven ninety-five Only at Radio Shack, the technology store.
0: Welcome back to the show, guys. And I just got to say, I am not being paid to say this. I love Radio Shack and Circuit City. I get nearly all of my electronic devices from one or both of those stores most of the time. It's just they have everything. They have everything you could ever want in, a, in an electronic store. They're going to be around forever. I just love going to them. And I mean, literally, Radio Shack, you can buy transistors, capacitors. Like, you can actually build electronics. Out in your garage from Radio Shack and Circuit City has all sorts of computers and game devices and things like that. Ah, It's just a good time. Both those stores are great. Like I said, I just love going there. Anyway, getting back to the show, it's now time for our segment where we talk about what I have been playing over the last month. What a month it has been. I have been busy working through four different games, two at home and two whenever I get a chance to go out to the arcades. We're going to start with the home releases because they're usually the ones that have a little bit more staying power. I've been playing a couple games on my NES. One of them I know I've told you guys about before. That is Ninja Gaiden. This came out back in March this year so it's been out for around nine months or so i still haven't beaten that freaking game it is so difficult it is really rewarding and i love nearly every aspect about the game it's super unique because as you play the game there are these segments that pop up in between the different acts and it's like these these cinematics are on the screen. I don't know what to call them, but they're just cinematics there and they have a storyline. I mean, it's, it's so much more in depth than what most platform games are. I'm loving it. And it's a great story too. It feels like you're playing a ninja movie, which is awesome. The thing is though, it's a very difficult game. And every time I play, I usually get to somewhere around stage five, one, five, two, or so, and then I just run out of steam because it's a very challenging game. Now, I've gotten better. I've gotten better at the opening stages, so I can move through at least the first couple stages without too much difficulty, but man, it really does get difficult, and the thing is there's no password system. There's no way I can return to where I was last playing. As soon as you shut the system off, the game goes off, and you have to start over from the beginning, which kind of hurts, although not as much as as this one thing that happened to me around a week ago. I was playing Ninja Gaiden, and I had determined that I was going to beat the game. This was going to be the time that I beat it. So I was playing it. I was playing it until late at night, and it was around, I guess, 11, 1130, and I was getting tired, but I didn't want to lose my progress. I think I was at stage 5-1 this time, so right around the point where I normally peter out and then just have to turn the game off and go do something else. This time, I decided I am not going to let the game beat me. I am going to beat it. So I left my console on. I said, you know what? I'm just going to leave it on. I will come back tomorrow and I will beat the game. I'll finish it. It was a weekend. So it wasn't like I had work or anything like that. So I was just, I'm going to finish this game. As soon as I get up, I'm just going to devote myself to finish the game. So I set the system up. I leave it. I don't touch. it. It is on. I go to bed. I come back the next morning, and you know what's happening? You know what's staring at me right on top of my television? My VCR. And you know what's happening on the VCR? The little clock is blinking. And guess what? That clock isn't telling me the right time. It's saying, like, 2.02 or something like that. What happened was the power must have gone out last night, and I lost all my progress in the game. Super frustrating. And by the way, trying to get the clock fixed on a VCR is for some reason, really much more challenging than what it needs to be. I don't understand it myself. I'm a tech guy, and I still have problems reprogramming my VCR when I lose power. That's not the moral of the story. The moral of the story is I lost all my progress in Ninja Gaiden, which really sucks. So I've got to go back and play that eventually. I have literally been playing it since it released, and I just cannot beat it. I'm sure I will one day, but it's just one of those games that is just hanging out there over my head. It is constantly beckoning me. It's saying, come on, keep playing with me. And I do. And then I ultimately never beat it, but I will, I promise I will beat that game. I know it. I just need to devote the time to do it. Another game I've been playing on my NES is Mega Man 2. Now this one came out a little bit later. It came out in July earlier this year. So it's been out a good five-ish months or so. Uh, I didn't get that one right away. I had played the original Mega Man And boy, that's another hard one, but it was intriguing because you could actually pick and choose the order of the bosses that you go to fight. You pick the boss stage that you want to go to. You work through their level and then you ultimately fight the boss. You get new weapons as you beat those bosses. It's a really cool concept. Mega Man 2 looked like it was pretty much an improvement in every way over the original game. So I was really excited to play it. I just really haven't had a chance to pick it up because I've been devoted to other things and I've been working on other other games like Ninja Gaiden as an example, but I finally decided I've got to give another game a shot. So I picked up Mega Man 2. I guess it was around a month and a half ago that I picked it up. And I've been playing it off and on. Uh, that game is great and one of the things that i really like about the game is that it actually does have a password system so i can come back to it whenever i want i don't lose any of my progress really i can just keep playing it ah uh, that's one of those games that is nicely challenging i will eventually beat it i am sure because like i said the password system makes it really easy to jump back into wherever you were and the game is just really well designed Two, the music is great. The graphics are great. The controls feel really tight. It's one of those games that I have been enjoying immensely since I got it. I think I'm at, I made it to Dr. Wily's castle. So the, the way it's set up is you have these robot masters that you have to pick from as far as moving through the stages. And then you eventually beat all of them. And then you get into basically what I assume is like the second half of the game which is Dr. Wily's castle. And they have a bunch of different stages in there. And you have to work your way through those stages until you eventually get to the final boss fight of the game. So I'm right at the beginning of Dr. Wily's castle. I have all of the robot weapons. I've got my three movement items. And they're kind of cool, too. One of them climbs up a wall as a platform and you can stand on that and move up to new areas. There's another one that is a rocket ship that shoots across the screen. You can stand on and basically move across a bunch of different open chasms and lava floors and everything like that. That's pretty darn cool too. And then there is a third one, which effectively acts as a floating platform and you can have multiple floating platforms at once, which is kind of cool and kind of rise up a little bit. So they're all very useful. I have all the items in the game at this point, I think. It's just a matter of actually continuing to play the game and beat Dr. Wily's stages. I'm sure that one's going to to be beaten in relatively short order, maybe even over the holiday break, who knows. But those are the two games I've been playing at home. I've also been taking trips to the arcade because you guys know that's where the best games are, really. I mean, you get the best graphics, the best sound. It's just great. I mean, the arcades I go to, I go to a couple near my house, and they are always Packed. I mean, I can only imagine how big these arcades are going to get in the future as more and more people start to get involved and engaged in video gaming. I've got to believe that in like 10 years, let's say, we're going to have massive arcades out there with wall to wall games. You're going to have probably a couple hundred people in there because I can't imagine the video game industry is going to shrink. At this point, it's just going to continue to expand. And that whole social aspect of playing together, it's not like you're going to be able to get multiplayer. Otherwise, sure, you could have people sitting in the same room. And I love playing with my brother or playing a game or friends or whatever. But outside of that, you're not going to necessarily have a ton of different people around. You're going to have that in the arcade. You're never going to be have that experience at home of being able to play with literal strangers. That'll never be at home. So you really have to go to the arcades for that. And I've been going to the arcades and having a ton of fun. i played a couple of different games over the last month, one of which is Final Fight. Final Fight is one heck of a game. It is a a fighting game. It's kind of a side-scrolling fighting game. You get to pick from a few different characters. I pick this guy named Mike Hagar because he's a really big, beefy guy, and I think he looks cool. He's also based off of a wrestler, and I love wrestling. So I just automatically gravitated to picking that character. He's he's pretty much a beast, and you just move through the game, and you beat up a bunch of bad guys, and you beat up a bunch of bosses, and you move through all of these different varied stages. I haven't beaten that game Yet, for some reason, arcade games, man, they just feel a little bit more difficult than a lot of home games. And the fact that you got to keep pumping quarters in there to keep playing the game, I mean, you know, you don't necessarily want to spend a ton of money at an arcade when you go out there. You want to have some fun. But some of these games get really challenging. And it's almost, and I'm sure they're not doing this, but it's almost like they're designed to be more difficult just to take your money I I know there's probably people out there that believe that. I'm an optimist. I can't possibly believe that video game companies are going to make the games just more difficult, just to take more money from you. That's really capitalistic. And I know they're out there to make money, but that just feels a little bit like, I don't know. I don't like that feeling. So I'm not going to, I'm going to assume that that's not happening. But Final Fight is a great game. I'm really enjoying it. Like I said, I play Mike Hagar, and he kicks the crap out of pretty much anybody on the screen. still haven't beaten it, but I am getting better. And hopefully, if I continue to go to the arcade over the next month, month and a half, I'm thinking I'll probably be able to beat it, maybe spend, I don't know, a few bucks on it, which is not insignificant, but it's still, it's a ton of fun. And And for the fun that I'm getting, it's worth the quarters I'm putting in there. And then the other game I've been playing in the arcade, which is just a ton of fun, is WWF Superstars. So I mentioned earlier, and I've mentioned on prior shows before, that I am a big WWF fan. You give me any degree of the wrestlers out there. Macho Man, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake, Roberts, Honky Tonk Man. They are just, it is so much fun watching wrestling i mean wrestlemania is like this big event that happens every single year it's going to be coming up oh i think it probably a few months or so but i just love the wwf i love wrestling and the wrestling arcade game wwf superstars is basically taking all of that wrestling goodness and it distills it down into a digital form and i absolutely love it i will admit my character the guy that i love to be is the ultimate warrior because he is just ridiculously powerful. He can pick people up. He can gorilla press, slam them over your head, over their head and just kind of toss them around. And he's just really awesome. Don't get me wrong. The other characters are cool, too. I really do like Hulk Hogan. I, I like Macho Man Randy Savage. You can't, you can't not talk about Hacksaw Jim Duggan and the Big Boss Man. Uh, they're all great, but Ultimate Warrior is my guy. It's also really fun to play two players. Uh, you could actually be a tag team together and move through the the game together and compete against a bunch of different computer tag team players or tag team opponents. It's just a lot of fun. It's especially fun to play with a couple of people. Uh, at the same time you know you and your partner and then otherwise it is just really fun to play solo so every time i go to the arcade i've got to throw at least a few quarters into wwf superstars oh geez look at the time i do have to take a brief break here is a word from our sponsors
1: and so it was late in the 20th century that a pox fell upon the land A plague of home videos that were limited in intelligence. There was brain drain, and terminal boredom swept the countryside. The maker looked down, and was not pleased by what he saw, and said, This is not good. And so it was. He brought forth Genesis. A system with twice the power, twice the intelligence, twice the challenge, Twice the fun. Only a chosen few were called forth to experience this new dimension of high-definition graphics and studio sound. And the maker saw what he had done and said, Now that, that's not bad. Discover Genesis, and your world will never be the same.
0: Okay, we are back and it's now time to take a look at my personal pick for the magazine of the month. Now, I know that I have chosen a variety of magazines over the last few months, but typically I always go back to Nintendo Power. Nintendo Power is one of my favorite magazines that has been around for the last year-ish or so, maybe year and a half or so I really enjoy Nintendo Power. I think it gives me the inside scoop for all of those Nintendo happenings and doings. So, this month's magazine of the month is Nintendo Power, and it's actually the, the November December issue. It has two months included here. So, we're just going to do a quick flip through it and talk about some of the contents in the Nintendo Power, some of the things that I thought were pretty darn cool and we're going to start looking at the player's pulse so player's pulse is where individuals write in and they kind of share their own experiences with nintendo power writers there was one here that i have to call out which i think is just absolutely awesome it is titled a zelda and poetry fan and it says i did it i defeated the first quest of the legend of zelda finally This may not seem like a big deal to a lot of your fans, but for someone my age, 75, I feel like I've accomplished quite a lot. I made a poem about Nintendo while writing it in my journal. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for a great game. And then there is actually a poem included here in this note. I'm not going to read the poem right now because... It's fairly long, actually, but that was actually a really cool note, and I think it was awesome that somebody that is a little bit older than the typical video game demographic was writing in and saying how much they enjoyed The Legend of Zelda. I mean, I love The Legend of Zelda myself, and I'm definitely older than a lot of the demographic, too. You talk to many people, and they think video games is a kid's thing, and I got to tell you, it is not. I certainly think I'm going to be playing games literally my entire life so that was an awesome note to write in and then we start getting into some of the video game strategy sections where nintendo power every month they go through and they pick some games out and they give you some strategies for different games Uh, the first game they have in here is willow i have not played willow yet so i honestly can't speak to the quality of that one or, or whether the strategies are sound or not The next one I did play, and we actually talked about a little bit ago, it's Tetris. Now, Tetris is on the NES and also on the Game Boy, so you pretty much have your choice. The strategies are going to be the same regardless whether you're playing on the Game Boy or the NES. I mean, these strategies are pretty darn simple. I I really don't know that I could really call them strategies other than it's kind of how you play the game. Uh, I, like I said earlier, I do enjoy Tetris. I, I just don't know how long it's going to be around. I don't know if there's going to be any staying power behind it. Anyway, moving on. There are some other games out here. I'm just flipping through the the pages right now. I'm trying to see something that's particularly interesting. Oh, here's one. Here was a section where Nintendo actually pulled out or Nintendo Power, I should say, pulled out and they rated the top 10 game endings of all time within the NES ecosystem, at least as of the point of this writing. So there are 10 of them here. I have to admit that I have not beaten all of the games on the NES. I haven't even played all the games on the NES. So I have not, or I cannot say with absolute certainty, which ones of these endings are truly awesome. Though I will say that the one they call out here, which I absolutely agree was a shocker, was Metroid. And for anybody who hasn't played Metroid, and I really don't like to do the whole spoiler thing, but I got to talk about it. For anybody who hasn't played Metroid, you play the whole game, you are this hardcore space ranger, outlaw kind of person. And then you get to the end, and the helmet comes off. And you realize that your character the whole time was a woman. What? I did never, I never expected that. That is absolutely crazy. It's really cool that they played around with that, but I would have never expected it at all. That was definitely, for me, one of the most shocking endings of any game I've played over the last couple of years. It was just like, what are you doing, Nintendo? You totally tricked us in a good way, I must say. But still, it was an absolute shocker of an ending. So just continuing to flip through the pages, there is an expose on RoboCop, which I'll say honestly looks kind of cool. I mean, you get to control RoboCop. And first of all, the movie RoboCop was downright amazing, very violent, but still amazing. And the game looks pretty darn good, too. Now, I don't see any blood here, but what do you expect? It's a video game. Video games aren't going to have any sort of gratuitous violence in them or at least they're not gonna show anything. That would just be that would be ridiculous if they actually tried to do something like that. I couldn't even imagine what would happen if video game companies suddenly decided to put blood in their games or at least like over the top blood. I can't even imagine It'll never happen. (laughs) Uh, It makes me laugh just thinking about it. Uh, You know, interestingly, there is an article in here about the Power Glove. And like I said earlier, I am super looking forward to the Power Glove. There's also this other peripheral called the U-Force, which is by Broderbund. And it kind of looks like a it's almost like a battleship kind of situation here where you have like a little screen in front of you, you have a couple of joysticks sort of or handles that you hold on to and it reads your mo- movement into the game. That sounds really cool too. I I will be honest, I have not heard of the u-force before flipping through this magazine. So now I'm curious about that one. Maybe I got to add that one to my holiday list as well. But the power gloves definitely on there. I know a lot about that one. UForce, I just don't know all that much about. So continuing to flip through the pages, I'm just looking at their new game section. These are the games that have just come out. And honestly, none of them are really floating my boat. We got Wheel of Fortune Jr., Jeopardy Jr., The Three Stooges, Stealth, ATF, and Godzilla. And that's pretty much all I want to say about that. So then moving on, there is a section on the Game Boy talking about some of the new games that are out there for the Game Boy. And I got to say, out of all of them, Super Mario Land is the one that holds my attention. There's actually some really cool maps in here that go through World 1, 1, 1, 2, and 1, 3. They have the whole map in here. So if you're having problems with it, just bring up the map and it shows you all the different passages and everything else. This is pretty darn awesome. We're gonna have to keep this off to the side. Hopefully I do get a Game Boy for the holidays and I can throw Super Mario Land in there assuming somebody gets that for me as well. If not, I'll have to buy it myself, which, hey, that's not such a bad thing either. Now, talking about previews for next year, because it's the end of 89, so I guess anything that we talk about is going to be a preview for next year. There is one here that is really grabbing my attention, and that is a game called Shadowgate. Now, this thing looks like a medieval kind of gothic game. I guess you could call it an adventure game kind of thing. You basically, the way the screen is set up is you have a viewport into the game world and there are some graphics there that show the rooms you're in or the people that you might be talking to or stuff like that. And then it's almost like at the bottom of the screen is, is kind of like a typewriter text box kind of thing. And on the right hand side of the screen is your inventory with a bunch of different items that you could use at different points It looks pretty phenomenal. I've never really played a game like this before. Apparently, based on what they say in the article here, is that Shadowgate originated on the computer? I don't know about that. I didn't play any of those out there. But like I said before, I'm primarily a console guy. But this looks great. It looks really almost a little spooky. They have some imagery here of like this. It's almost like a goblin-looking guy. And there is definitely, there's a Sphinx, there is a Banshee, something that looks what I can only describe as death. It looks awesome. I'm very curious about Shadowgate. I think that's going to be one to watch. I'm definitely going to want to try to get that when it comes out because it looks really interesting to me. Moving on to Counselor's Corner. That This is one of my favorite sections of Nintendo Power because this is where They give you all of the hidden tips and tricks, or they answer the questions that people are curious about for how to get past these certain sections in really challenging games. So Mega Man 2 obviously is going to have an entry there because Mega Man 2 is pretty darn difficult to work your way through. There is also an entry here on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now this one The entry here is kind of weird. It's entitled, How Do I Throw the Line? Now, anybody who's played Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles probably knows how to use that line to cross the gap in the levels. And for anybody who hasn't played it, you should play it. It's pretty darn good. Although, if I were writing into the Counselor's Corner, I would probably ask about how to get past that silly water level, which somehow constantly defeats me i will get past it eventually but holy cow that thing is really tricky then we move on to the classified information section and this is one where i found something that is going to literally change how i play one of these games and there is an entry here for ninja gaiden and now listen to this because i had no idea this was going to be the case there is a a section of the map in area 5-3. And probably the reason I don't know this is the case because I don't even know that I've gotten up to 5-3 yet. But if you do, there's an area in 5-3 where you have an extra life that you can pick up. Now, the thing with that extra life is that it will respawn If you leave the area, if you go down the ladder in the area and you come back up, the extra life will be back there. So you can literally repeat this as many times as you want and get a ton of extra lives and then tackle the rest of the game. That is so, so useful especially for a game as challenging as Ninja Gaiden. I never would have thought that you could respawn an extra life that way and just continue to go back out of an area, go back into the area, get the extra life, go back out, go back in, rinse, repeat, and keep going. I would have never considered to do that. So I'm definitely keeping this one off to the side so that when I do get up to stage 5-3, I have something ready to go because all the way up to 5-3, it has been a little bit of a challenge. Moving on, we get to the top 30. These are the top 30 rated games in Nintendo Power. These are the ones that everybody writes in about and not necessarily the top rated, I guess I should say. These are the games that people like the most or are voting for the most. It's kind of a popularity contest at the end of the day, But I do find it interesting to take a look at at what's out there, what the various people across the world are saying is their favorite games or the ones they want on the map. So I'm just going to go through here and we'll go through the top 10 because going through 30 is just ridiculous. But we'll go through the top 10. Number 10 is Bionic Commando. Now, this is a game that's really fun. You have this mechanical arm and you can swing across different gaps and chasms, and you have a gun, you can shoot things, and there's a map with, like, military vehicles on it. It's really, really kind of cool. I haven't really gotten far in that game yet, but it is one I want to revisit. Then you have number nine is Strider. You're kind of like a ninja mech warrior kind of thing. Maybe mech is too strong a word, but definitely like this high-tech ninja kind of character that just runs around and swipes everybody with swords. It's a good time. Number eight is The Legend of Zelda... Well, I will say that that is probably the biggest adventure I have ever played on an NES, probably the biggest adventure I've ever played. Period. Number eight on the list. I also I can't get the overworld music out of my mind. Have anybody heard this? It's, it goes. It kind of goes like this. It goes. It sounds amazing. It is such a that theme. By the way, I think is going to last. That's one of those themes that I don't think is going to go away anytime soon. It just, it feels like something that's just going to hold on. And number seven, we have Dragon Warrior. That is one of those newfangled RPGs out there. I haven't really tried that one yet. It's on my list of things to do, but it's a little bit different than most of the games I've played. Most of the games I play are more platform related or action based or something. this RPG thing with turn based combat, Eh, I don't know. I have to play around with that a little bit. It feels totally different, or at least it seems totally different to the kind of games that are, that usually come out. Number six is Faxanadu, which is kind of an action game similar to The Legend of Zelda 2, I guess. That one looks kind of cool. Number five is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We talked about that just a little bit ago. Number four is Ninja Gaiden. Man, Ninja Gaiden is all over the place with this magazine and, and just this conversation. It's a great game. I mean, it's certainly monopolized a lot of my time. Number three is Legend of Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. Number two is Super Mario Bros. 2. And then number one is Mega Man 2. So it's just, these are the kind of games that the top 10 honestly doesn't shock me all that much. These These are all really good games, at least the ones that I've played. I can certainly see why they're out there. The ones I haven't played, I probably should play because they seem like they are pretty darn good. So that is, for the most part, that's most of this month's magazine for Nintendo Power. There are a couple of sections at the back of the magazine, and one of them talks about the Nintendo World Championships coming up in 1990. This is kind of interesting to me, and I will say, I am not the best video game player out there, but I do feel a little bit of a pull to try to enter myself into the video game championships into those Nintendo world championships. Hey, whether win, lose or draw, it still seems like it'd be a really good time. And it's something that I would love to test myself around other people or against other people and see how I perform against others out there that share a similar kind of interest. Apparently it's going to be coming to 30 different U S cities, across the United States in 1990. So I got to take a look and see if there's any local to me here around the Philadelphia area. I got to see if there's anything, any stops around here that I might be able to, to take part in because it looks really fun or it sounds really fun. And then finally, there is an article here about a movie called the wizard. And I actually want to talk a little bit more about the wizard because Just this past weekend, I made my way out to the movie theater and I actually saw this thing in person. I saw The Wizard in the theater. I have a lot to say about it. I will talk to you all about it after this break and a word from our sponsors.
1: They said it wasn't humanly possible, but now you can have all the power and excitement of Nintendo right in the palm of your hand. Introducing Game Boy. It's portable. It's in stereo, and its games are interchangeable. Plus, Game Boy comes with the outrageous new game Tetris. And for head-to-head competition, use the revolutionary Video Link and blow your opponent away. Game Boy, only from Nintendo. Now you're playing with power. Portable power. Introducing TurboGrafx-16, the next-generation video game system. It's four times faster, so the games are more exciting. There are almost 10 times as many colors, so the arcade quality graphics are even more intense. And you can expand your system with a CD player for CD games with sound effects that are turbocharged. TurboGrafx-16 from NEC, the higher-energy video game system.
0: Welcome back to the show. I do want to take a few minutes to talk about this new movie that I just saw over the weekend. It is called The Wizard. It stars a few different people. Uh, Fred Savage, who you might have seen in The Wonder Years. He was also in The Princess Bride, by the way. Wonderful movie, The Princess Bride was. But Fred Savage is in this film. You also have Bo Bridges, Christian Slater, and then a few other people kind of rounding out the cast. Most of the others, I didn't really have any recognition But certainly Fred Savage, Bo Bridges and Christian Slater, I know from other films and other various acting that they may have done over time. But anyway, the whole concept behind this film is that Fred Savage plays a kid whose brother uh, his brother's name is Jimmy. Jimmy is kind of he has some sort of psychological issue. So he's been put into a psychological facility to be observed and to have uh, help and all that kind of stuff. And what he wants to do is he wants to get to California for some reason. And Corey decides, Corey is Fred Savage's character. Corey decides to, to go there and break him out of this psychological facility and take him across the country all the way to California. Now, these kids are, I don't know, maybe 12-ish, 13-ish years of age. At least, like I think that's what Fred Savage's character is. Jimmy is probably a little bit younger. So, I don't know that it's the most realistic thing to assume that kids like that would be able to actually make their way across country. The other pressing issue is that they don't really have all that much money. So, the question becomes, how can they raise the funds to get all the way across the country to California to fulfill whatever need Jimmy has to get to the West Coast. And it turns out that Jimmy is a video game savant. He is able to pretty much play any game that's put in front of him and he absolutely dominates it. The first time they notice this happening is when he's playing Double Dragon and he's able to get 50,000 points in Double Dragon relatively early in the game. Double Dragon's a brutal game. By the way, if anybody has actually played that one. So he got 50,000 points and Fred Savage's character looks at that and it's like, what, what just happened? How did you get 50,000 points in double dragon? And from that point on, he realizes that Jimmy has some skills that you just don't see everywhere. So they decide to hustle people and they hustle a ton Of different characters, they hustle some older businessmen, they hustle some teenage kind of kids. Eventually, they come up against this, this kid who is just absolutely he's like the cool kid out there. His name is Lucas, and he's ultimately the antagonist for the rest of the film. And he has the power glove. I know I keep gushing about this power glove, but it's everywhere. For some reason it has been everywhere. As I've been looking around, just, I see it and it's like, no, it looks so cool. And he uses it. Lucas uses the power glove in the film. And he does so well with using the power glove that Jimmy just kind of throws up his hands and says, well, he doesn't say anything, but he effectively motions that he is not going to be able to keep up with Lucas. He leaves the area and, And he just, he's basically overwhelmed. It's like, no, Lucas is the man and no chance of beating Lucas. So they go off. And by the way, as they're going through here, they meet this, this other girl who's kind of self-independent kind of person lives with her father in Las Vegas or in Reno. And you know, there's of course a little bit of romantic interest there between her and Fred Savage's character. Whatever. I mean, you know, it's a it's a movie. But the one thing I do want to talk about, and I'm not going to go through all the story and the spoilers and things like that, because this just released in the theaters a week and a half ago now. So I think it'd be really wrong to go through all of the storyline, because I'm sure there's going to be people out there that want to go see it. And I don't want to have anybody waste their money or not be able to see the film and experience it firsthand. What I do want to talk about, though, and what makes this movie unique, because you guys know, I don't usually cover movie reviews or movie discussions on our show. It's just not something we do. And because this is a video game radio show, we don't talk about movies because video games don't really make their way into movies. The wizard changes all of that all throughout the film. There are a ton of different video games, and that's primarily because the core conceit of the film is that Jimmy is a video game wizard, hence the name of the film. And there's a ton of different games that they play throughout the movie. They play Ninja Gaiden. They play Double Dragon. They play Rad Racer. They play RC Pro-Am. They play a ton of different games. But the biggest one, and the one that I am the most looking forward to, is Super Mario Brothers 3. You know what? This game looks absolutely phenomenal. This is the kind of game that will sell a system. This is the kind of game that you wait outside at a store for just to get your hands on it because it looks like nothing I have ever seen. I mentioned earlier that Super Mario Bros. 1, I really enjoyed. Super Mario 2, good game, but just doesn't really feel like a Mario game. Super Mario 3, based on what I saw in The Wizard, looks like this entirely gigantic, kind of mario experience with new items and power-ups you could even fly in the sky how cool is that super mario 3 looks like it's going to literally revolutionize video games and i'm here for it i want to see it so or i want to play it so bad and getting a chance to see some footage as part of the wizard has me so stoked i cannot wait for super mario 3 to come out i will literally be camping outside waiting for that game to release because it just looks like it's going to be the best game ever created. And I am incredibly excited for it. I mean, the graphics looked awesome. The like I said, the power ups looked ridiculous. There's a lot of things. I don't even know how it works. Apparently, as you beat a level, you get like this card that shows either stars or flowers or mushrooms. I don't know what it does at the end of the day. Apparently, according to the movie, you get points there. But I don't know. Maybe, maybe you do. Maybe you don't. Maybe it was just a movie thing. Regardless, Super Mario 3 looks amazing. Now, turning our attention back to the film itself. What is my overall opinion of the film? Well, as a movie I will say that it was some pretty good, clean, family fun. It was it was not a bad film at all. I think probably the the age or the demographic that the movie was targeting was probably a little bit on the younger side than what I am simply because I'm a little bit older and I don't know that that the movie was designed to appeal to me per se. What did appeal to me though? were the sheer number of games in there. It just felt like playing through a Nintendo catalog. And that felt awesome. And it was also really cool. And this is something that I can't overstate. As a gamer and doing something and having a hobby that is not mainstream, it felt amazing to actually see the hobby that I love depicted on the actual cinema screen, actually being able to see it in a movie. I can only hope that this shines a little bit more of a light onto the video game industry and video games as a worthwhile hobby. There are so many people that you talk to that think that video games are purely a child's endeavor. That is not the case. Sure, a lot of games are marketed for children. That's absolutely a fact. But many of those games are just as much fun for an adult to play. And the fact that I was able to see in a movie theater a film that actually talked about openly about video gaming, it felt like a breath of fresh air. I can only hope that there's going to be more of this to come. The more that we can make video games mainstream, the better our hobby will be. And the more secure it will be moving forward. I really want video games to continue into the future. I want to play them. I want to play them my whole life. I mean, I don't think there's going to be ever a time where I'm not into video games I want more people to get into them because I see something special there. I think other people would as well if they can just get over a little bit of the stigma associated with playing video games. Hopefully one day it's not like that and it's not looked at as purely a child's pastime. I'm really hopeful for that. Until then, though, we kind of have to take what we can get. The Wizard gives us a little bit of a view into that video game world and makes it a little bit more appealing for the broader population. So from that perspective, I think The Wizard was awesome. From a general movie standpoint, it's middle of the road. Maybe a two out of four star kind of thing if I'm trying to rate it. So something definitely to see if you're a video gamer and you enjoy gaming and you really want to see how that can progress and actually be a little bit more broadcast to the wider population But if you're just going out to try to watch just a movie without any concern for the content of it being video game related or not, I don't know that I would use my money there. Maybe just wait till it comes out on video. You can rent it from any number of video rental stores that might be in your area. So just something to keep in mind. I don't know that I would go out of my way to see it unless you are a gamer. If you are, definitely go see it because it is the first time that I'm aware of that we're actually able to see our hobby depicted positively on the silver screen. And for that, it is absolutely worth it. That'll about do it for this month's show. I hope you all enjoyed listening and I hope you all have a wonderful holiday break. Until next time, I will leave you all with our mantra. May your gaming memories never fade and may your power-ups never expire. Goodbye, everyone.